Next on BYU Sports Nation, Kalani Sitake answers Jerem Jordan's burning question. Are the BYU football schedules really too tough? My thoughts on that. Plus, what's your earth-shaking wild BYU celebration memory from a big win? And Rhett the Jet Rasmussen on his experience at the U.S. Open. How was the warm-up session around Tiger Woods? And an E3 championship, Jerem. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live and ready to roll. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, June 19th, wherever and however you're connected Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Dad Joke Specialist, Jerem Jordan. I say Dad Jokes all the time because I'm a dad. It's just part of the deal, like the mantra of the dad. You just have all these jokes that suddenly flow into you once you have a child. It's really weird. I saw a dad joke yesterday from the Twitter account, Dad Jokes, that's been floating out there for a while, but I hadn't seen it. And it is the following. Why did Adele cross the road? I saw this one as well. (laughs) (laughs) To say hello from the other side. (laughs) Very nice. Nice shirt, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. I I got it from from you. Yeah. Who received it from an elite BYU Sports Nation fan in the Northwest, in Seattle. I'm surprised that it was given to me and not you originally. Jerem, what uh, does it say for our radio audience? What do you tell people? What what does the T-shirt say? I can't say those words. I just want to hear you. I want to hear you say these words. I love Mitch Matthews, but I'm not saying that. The T-shirt says beautifully, (laughs) poetically, Mitch Matthews is elite. Now, I want to say something, okay? I have some strong thoughts on what Kalani Sitake said. I want to focus on that. Don't interrupt it with this, okay? I don't want to talk about it. We have other things to discuss. Oh, I'll be, I'll be interrupting your thoughts for the entire show because you'll be looking at me and seeing the words on my shirt. I'm going to go cross-eyed <laughs> in an attempt not to. How about that when you're little, like, oh, don't do it. You'll, it'll be permanent. It's like, what? That's yes. one of those. Other parent that's lies. That's one of those parenting lies uh-huh. that's okay, I guess. Like, it's okay to lie as a parent in that situation? Well, you have the best interest of your child in, in mind when you'd want them to look right. So it's okay to do something that normally would be incorrect if the intention is good in the end. <laughs> this is a, this is a phys- philosophical debate that we could have all, uh, all show. <laughs> Let's not go there. We have a focused, concentrated, elongated discussion about Kalani Sitake is telling comments about the schedule. And Enormous. obviously, I feel otherwise. Enormous show today. With that in mind, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU football head coach Kalani Satake has answered the question of questions, at least according to our good friend Jerem Jordan. At a charity golf tournament yesterday with several of the BYU and Utah football coaches in attendance, BYU football's independent scheduling went under the microscope. Listen to the following question in a Q&A, and answer from BYU's head coach, Kalani Fafita Sitake. I've heard some people say you should, that their opinion you should dial back the schedule. Do you feel like that would be beneficial to start and no. have that dial back, or do you just like facing the challenge? If I'm trying to pad my stats as a coach, yeah, probably. But I, 
I'm trying to run a, a program that can be, I think, uh, a great one for us. And, and traditionally, I think we've had easier schedules. And um, I think you just can accomplish more. You know where you where you sit. I would just go back to my time from when we moved into the Mountain West into the Pac-12 when I was at Utah. And, and uh, you know, you couldn't do anything about that, that schedule. You just had to prepare for it. And it just forces you to be ready. And so I'm not really concerned about um, anything than just playing the best. I think you can get a lot more from playing a team that can beat you than knowing you can win like, in a game. So that's my mindset, and I, I don't know if it gets me any closer to Lavelle's wins as far as, uh, you know, for a coach, but uh, I really try to just get the program ready and trying to get it to a place where I think we can have a lot of success, and that means we have to play the best, and I'm glad Tom's getting a bunch of games ready for us, and then uh, if, you, if you talk about wanting to be in the Power Five, then you should probably get a schedule that matches it. Well, 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 Jerem Jordan. After hearing that, digesting it, and then doing it again, what is your reaction to Kalani's reaction about the question for your hopeful scheduling philosophy and the current scheduling philosophy? First off, it's okay to disagree. This is not a situation where we all raise our hands and sustain the schedule, okay? Or even the people involved. I love BYU. I want BYU to win. That's my number one aim and mission. I love Kalani Sitake. I love Tom Ho. I, lo- I enjoy the challenge of these schedules. I just want BYU to win more than I want a tough schedule, okay? Uh, all those opposed to the scheduling philosophy, this guy, okay? I want BYU to be BYU again. What is that? Exciting offenses, dynamic QB play, big wins, championships, national ranking, memorable moments. More about those coming up. Those haven't happened as often in Independence as before. A few things have played into that. Taysom Hill, if he stays healthy in 2012, maybe a 10-win season. Amen. 2014, if Taysom Hill stays healthy, does BYU lose a game? Who knows? 2015 was a bonus season for Hill. 16, those could have been 10-plus win seasons too. Uh, 16, the scheme held Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams back. That hurt. BYU hasn't increased its talent pool in independence, in my opinion. It's been equal to or less. The schedule has become increasingly tougher to the point of exhaustion, especially out of September. Back-to-back seasons, BYU started one and three. Uh, these factors have contributed to a long stretch of ten, no 10-plus 10 win seasons the last six, no final rankings the last six, and a seven-game losing streak to Utah. This is not what I want. This is not what any of us want. And I feel like the most controllable element in BYU football is the schedule. BYU can choose who it plays. BYU has chosen who it plays. This isn't the BYU that I remember, okay? BYU can stack the schedule, but I think BYU is trying to be someone that they are not. How did BYU become BYU, Spencer? By playing in the WAC in Mountain West and then playing a good non-conference game or two and winning a bunch and having these memorable, awesome wins. Playing a bunch of Power Fives and on the road is not how BYU built BYU. Frankly, the Cougars are trying to keep up with the Joneses. I can appreciate that. It costs money. Being on ESPN is awesome. Playing a loaded schedule. It's cool to look at, but actually play and like win 10-plus games to be relevant, eh, it's not happening as easily. The Utes are in a Power 5 with money flowing in every year, an increased talent pool, and they're winning, and they're beating BYU consistently. And that juxtaposition certainly doesn't help the Cougars. Okay? BYU is an independent. They can schedule who they want. There isn't a single group of five team that had to play a crazy schedule like this to get into a power five. I don't buy that idea. 
TCU and Utah and West Virginia and all these teams that got in, they just did what they had to do with what they were doing. They didn't have to make it harder. They didn't have to add weight to the bar, okay? I'm not saying play a group of five schedule. I'm saying play three or four power fives, three or four quality group of fives, and then four to six winnable games. One, you're going to go to a bowl game. Two, you're going to put yourself in a position to win eight-plus every year, which is where BYU is at just recently. And three, you're going to give yourself a chance to win 10-plus. You know what the feeling is right now? The feeling is that BYU isn't going to come close to like 10 wins this year. That's not a good feeling, okay? I want BYU to win. And what's more important than that in sports? Okay, several thoughts after your well-thought-out statement for the media. (laughs) From the media. First of all, 90% of these schedules were already in play when Kalani Satake took the job as head coach. Okay, so that's uncontrollable. Just I'm saying moving forward then. So from his stance, it was part of the deal. He knew what he was getting into, and he chose it. He saw it. He couldn't control it at the time. I'm not saying he didn't. Second, it would be a terrible look for him to disagree with his athletic director in a public forum like that. I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not dogging Kalani for what he said. But he could say, look, it's really hard in September. We want to win 10-plus games a year. Like, I don't know the stated goal of BYU football right now. With, I, one thing I did appreciate with Bronco Menhall, we knew what the goals were. And that was to a fault to some degree. Now, here's a stated goal in a roundabout way that he said during that interview. I think you can get a lot more from a team that can beat you. So, no, I, I agree, but too many of them is a detriment. That's what I'm saying. They want the risk-reward. I mean, for all of my golfers out there, this is a 300-yard par-4, and if you can hit the ball 280 yards in the air over water and land it on the green, then you've got an eagle opportunity, right? But you don't want all 18 holes of that. You want some par threes. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't there, challenge there yourself. Are, there are par threes. You just want more. Yes. And not necessarily par threes. Birdie-able par fours. You don't, wanna, you, you don't want to play the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. Uh, heck no. No. You want to play the U.S. Play Open the at Hobble Creek in Springville, Utah. Yeah, that, I love that course. We played that. <laughs> I just, I, I, the BYU schedules are really good. In fact, they're just a little too tough. People keep coming at me with the extremes. People, be careful in conversations, whether it's politics, religion, sports, whatever, that you don't just go into two extremes. You don't have to hate or love everything. You can have some middle ground, and that's what I'm calling for. I'm calling for middle ground in this conversation. How differently would most people feel about these schedules if BYU had won 11 games with a healthy Taysom Hill in 2014, which they would have done. That would have happened. That's why I started my conversation with that. I think Taysom Hill would have changed this whole rhetoric. Or had BYU won the Las Vegas Bowl in 2015 and finished with 10 wins. Then you've got... An 11-win season with Taysom Hill, followed by a 10-win season in 2015. Now, I'm not, I'm not no, saying what I'm saying. Though. Nobody's talking about this if those happen. I'm only saying it because BYU's lost seven in a row to Utah, and they've gone six straight seasons without 10-plus wins or a ranking. That's why I'm bugged. Well, let's not overlook the fact that BYU went 4-9 and nine last year. That's adding to the rhetoric. Sure. That, that didn't help at all. This season, the Cougars will play at Utah to finish the regular season. Then in 2019, the two rivals opened the season in Provo in August. Okay. Both Kyle Whittingham and Kalani Satake were asked yesterday at a charity golf event about the scheduling of the rivalry game. Whittingham was less than enthusiastic about 
anything to do with BYU, it seems. He, he talks was? about it. Scoff. And it being the final game of the year. Satake didn't agree. I kind of like it at the end where you can just empty the tank and have everything go for it. It just seems like that's what should happen in rivalry games. Okay, Spencer, what's the ideal time of season to schedule the BYU-Utah game? Because it typically, in the history of BYU and Utah, has been the final game of the regular season, that feels right. It's what everybody is comfortable with. It's a tradition. It is tradition, and people, especially in sports, love tradition. I will say something in defense of Kyle Whittingham and Utah about not wanting the game the final of the regular season. (laughs) Let's say Utah has wrapped up the Pac-12 South. Which they have yet to do. But let's say they do it. And then BYU comes in. What do they do? Do you stay they're, healthy they're, for the Pac-12 championship game? Like, how do, you, yes. how do you approach this game? So, does it become less important to Utah? Oh, it has been since 2011, dog. Does it become even less important? In that context, absolutely. No, that's a great discussion point. So, that, yeah. For, thinking about the Utah side of things, that, that could be detrimental. So I'm actually okay with it the very first game of the season or the last game of the regular season. I, I like both of those. Unlike a lot of things, I don't have a strong opinion on this one. Uh, the build-up to the opener is awesome because we do a countdown, so I'd probably be in on that countdown. Yeah. I, I think next year I'm in on the countdown from day one because it's Utah, and I love that game. Uh, the season ender is cool, but the context is not there. It was for a championship when they were in the same league in the WAC and Mountain West. Obviously, that's not there. Um, whenever you play BYU in Utah, it's going to be a big game. I don't think it really matters where it is. And do you want it as the first game where you're kind of working out the kinks and tightening the screws on everything? I, I don't know. But it certainly is exciting as the first game. But I like what Klein Stocky said about emptying the tank. That's kind of fun. You can just go all out in that situation. Would there be as much angst about BYU football overall and their schedules if the Cougars had beaten Utah one or two times well, Instead of 20, losing seven in a row? In 2015 and 16, if you beat Utah, you're a 10-win team. You're probably ranked. Yeah. I'm telling you, there could it have is, been. It's one game. There could have been a few things. But, but here's the thing, Spencer. It didn't happen in all these multiple situations. That's why I'm frustrated because we've had seven years of independence. It's not like we can say, well, give it some time. It's been seven years. Like, when's it going to happen? It's not happening this year, so it's going to be at least eight. Interesting stuff. Perhaps some of you will answer with a BYU-Utah memory in mind to our next topic. When Mexico beat Germany last weekend in the World Cup, no joke, heavily and densely populated areas in Mexico recorded movement on the seismograph. Of course it did. An earthquake created by a celebration, albeit it was small, but still How hard do you have to celebrate to cause the earth to move under your feet? Jerem, what is your earth-shaking celebratory moment as a BYU fan? Well, you and I were on the sideline together for Back to Harleen, so we weren't cheering. We were media. Uh, But 2009, Oklahoma was the one for me. I was, uh, you know, recent grad, still living here, working here. And uh, I've told this story, and I want to say earlier in the week even, where on University Avenue – there would be a red light going one way, and all like 500 students would go into the intersection, celebrate, then it'd go green, and then they'd get out of the way. So law-abiding citizens in Provo, of course. And then at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, there were like 3,000-plus just gathering, 
partying, hanging out. Like, it was the most random, awesome celebration ever. That was the earth-shaking celebratory moment when BYU beat Oklahoma. I've got several. I mean, back to Harleen, we were standing next to each other. Like, I felt like the ground was moving. You just kept saying, oh, you kept saying, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Couldn't believe it. Yeah. But I'm going to rewind to 1996. Uh, Peak year for me as a BYU fan. I mean, it solidified me really for life. Just I I thought I was in like that. It's it's forever because of what happened at the end of the 1996 season. That whole year, man. The Las Vegas WAC championship game. My first trip to Las Vegas. Potchman kicks the game-winning field goal over my head. I'm on the third row. Rush the field. In those rickety stands. I was there, too. I was in that end zone. BYU's 13 Why didn't you come over and say hi? They're ranked in the top five. And at that moment, you're thinking, they're probably going to go to an Alliance Bowl. Amazing. Breakthrough. Well, they won won this, uh, this title game, and it was just so exciting. There we are in the end zone somewhere in there, both of us. Ethan Potchman delivering, I believe, from 37 yards away. My grandpa got off those stands because he felt like, literally, it was earth-shaking. He thought they were going to come down. So he's like, I'm getting off of these. No cell phones. I remember turning to my mom and saying, okay, I'll just meet you right there after. She goes, yeah, okay, bye. And I just ran out there by myself. That was amazing. I was looking for you. Where were you? I'm sorry, I couldn't see you. And, and then the Cotton Bowl celebration, which followed like three or four weeks later on New Year's Day. Like that, that was just an incredible run. Quick story there. I'm at uh, my ste- second stepmom's. I've had three. First stepmom's brother's house. They have a baby. We can't cheer. So we're all like, KO, KO, Louis catches the touchdown. We're like, <laughs> silent. It was so annoying not to be able to cheer. <laughs> so annoying. Oh, my God. Uh, perhaps there will be an earth-shaking moment in the season opener. Who knows? Against Arizona. In how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 74. Ooh, sub 75. Here we go. 74 days away. BYU at Arizona to open the 2018 season. Our question of the day. What is your earth-shaking celebratory moment as a BYU fan? This is the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At the Casual Hippie in on Twitter. The 59 to nothing shutout of UCLA in 2008. Every score was like the earth shattering, like, ah, ah, ah. It just didn't stop. <laughs> Coming up, can Rose Wong beat Spencer and I on the golf course with only irons on one hole? No putter, no driver? <laughs> Probably. We're going to find out. And speaking of the course, Rhett the Jet Rasmussen back from the U.S. Open, ready to tell us what the number one thing he learned was from playing in one of golf's four majors. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is Friday, June 22nd. Programming throughout the day on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Check it out this Friday. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Check us out on social media. The conversation rolling whenever you want to partake. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. Just use the hashtag BYUSN. Answer our question of the day. What is your earth-shaking celebratory moment as a BYU fan? At Mex Custer on Instagram. Beck to Harleen almost punched two holes in my ceiling from jumping so high. So you had both fists in the air? That's awesome. <laughs> I would go one fist. 
<laughs> Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and or Instagram. More of your responses later in the show. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is a young man who just returned from playing in the U.S. Open. Rhett Rasmussen, representing BYU Golf, one of 20 amateurs to tee it up at Shinnecock Hills in the Long Island area of New York. Rhett, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. How would you describe your experience playing at the U.S. Open? Uh, man, it was pretty crazy. You know, I mean, that's really probably the biggest tournament I've ever played. So, I mean, there was a lot of people and, you know, but it, it was just awesome for sure. Were you nervous? Were you excited? Like, what were the emotions before uh, the opening round? Um, you know, honestly, I wouldn't say I was too nervous. I mean, there was obviously a little bit of nerves, but yeah, just a just a lot of excitement, you know, to tee up with some of the biggest names in golf. You know, it was it was really cool. How many times have you had a, a gallery that I obviously didn't come close to that, but how many times have you had a gallery where you're like, okay, I better not s- spray it to the right because there's someone right there? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had a gallery a few times, but yeah, nothing like nothing like you know, ten people deep lining each fairway. <laughs> Rhett Rasmussen with us on BYU Sports Nation just played in the U.S. Open. What was your welcome to a PGA Tour major moment, Rhett? Uh, yeah, probably going right to the player hospitality tent and probably sitting down right next to Jordan Spieth. <laughs> <laughs> what What's going through your mind in that moment? Uh, it was, I don't know. It was like kind of surreal, you know, cause I've seen him on TV so much and you know, all the big guys and then you're like right there and it's just pretty crazy to, you know, actually be right with them. Are any of these guys bigger, smaller, nicer? Like did anything surprise you in your interactions with them? Uh, you know, I, I not too much. I mean, I did notice that, you know, a lot of them look i don't know i mean pretty pretty close to what i thought but you know a lot of the guys are really strong out there that you don't notice on tv they don't look super big but you know they're they're definitely pretty strong guys your first round you you go 10 over and then your second round i believe you went four over so what changed from day one to two for you uh the first day was a lot harder a lot windier you know and i kind of got off to a rough start i had a little bit of nerves you know i wasn't really playing my game but you know time the second round i started to get more into the flow of things so played was able to play a little bit better you uh you had a birdie in the second round what was that hole like for you <laughs> yeah i had a birdie <laughs> pretty good to get, get my first birdie it shouldn't have taken honestly like 28 holes like it did but yeah that was pretty cool <laughs> what what was more successful on that particular hole and it's at a major man it, it, it was all weird and it it happened while we were on the air by the way so we're talking to bruce brockbank and we said and Rhett just birdied and Bruce is like, yes, sweet. So what was that whole like uh, to actually uh, knock in a bird? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. You know, I had to hit, let's see, I hit it to like 30 feet, you know, so I had to make a pretty long putt. And, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty relieving to finally get that birdie. I definitely didn't want to go birdie-less over two days. <laughs> Tony Finau was a guide to you of sorts. What was the best advice he gave you before you teed off? Um. Honestly, he just told me to kind of play my own game, you know, because you're playing with, you've seen a lot of guys, you know, the best players in the world making a ton of birdies, and, you know, you can't let that get frustrating to you. So really just kind of try to play my own game and not really focus on anybody else. Rhett, what were some of the lessons you learned from this that will help you uh, next season at BYU and hopefully in the future as a pro? Uh, Please, some lessons, probably just staying patient, you know. 
I mean, you get you get off to a rough start and you just get so frustrated so easily. But you watch some of those great players and you know they got off to pretty bad starts too. But you know over the next two days they really just you know didn't affect them and they were able to play pretty good. What were your nerves like on the first tee box when they call your name and you go and tee up your ball? <laughs> oh man, that was a that was a pretty crazy moment. You know, it's like you always watch it on TV, the you know, calling the names, and then it's like, man, this is my name in the U.S. Open. So, but you know, just able to just have to calm yourself down and you know, hit the tee shot. Maybe we were more nervous than you because we were stoked you uh, <laughs> you got to the U.S. Open. And, Rhett, this has been a banner year for BYU men's golf, obviously getting the at-large to the uh, regional, making it to the championships, Patrick Fishburne continuing on there. Do you feel like you, ha- you you can hold the number one individual accomplishment, though, over Patrick as his teammate? Hey, I played in the U.S. Open. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's been a it's been a great year for us. And, you know, obviously this is individual, not with the team, but – you know, we did a lot of a lot of things with the team all year that kind of helped you get to this point, for sure. Rhett Rasmussen with us on BYU Sports Nation, 19 years young, just played in the U.S. Open. What's the next step in your development as a golfer? Um, you know, next step is just a lot of you know a lot of answer stuff and just trying to qualify for for your next PGA event that can hopefully break you through to the next level. But, you know, unfortunately, playing the U.S. Open, it doesn't, it doesn't get you immediately on the PGA Tour. So you just got to keep trying. All right, let's uh, get a couple of quick hitters before we get off the phone with you. What was the best shot you hit on the course in New York? Uh, I hit a chip from a uh, – I'd say – no, I'd say on the first hole, I hit a wedge shot to about one foot from oh. about 150 yards. So that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Quest was like, that was almost as good as my uh, double, double eagle. <laughs> And uh, what's the one shot you wish you could have back? Uh, probably on the third hole. Let's see, Tiger walked right in front of me and was watching my drive, hooked it into the crap. So that was <laughs> one of the more forgettable shots. When I mean, when you see Tiger, does something happen emotionally where you're like, oh my gosh, that's Tiger Woods? Sorry, say that again? Did some, when you saw Tiger, did that affect your uh, drive? Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy because one of the holes like looped in front of us, so he was, you know, they were all watching, and it was there was a ton of people, and kind of let it kind of let it get to me too much, but it was pretty sweet. Rhett, we're <laughs> thrilled for you. Congratulations on a fantastic individual year and uh, the success as a BYU golf team. We look forward to great things ahead, man. Thanks for the time. All right, thank you guys. See you later. Thanks, Rhett. Red Rasmussen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. What an experience for him. Very cool. And the fact that Tiger Woods walks across and he just goes into the crap. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's something we would all do. You know what I mean? Like, I would just go into the crap every hole. I just want to hit the ball. Oh, there's Tiger Woods. Just don't miss the ball. Just hit the ball. Just hit it. Eldrick's right there. (laughs) Coming up, an eSports championship for a group of BYU students who created a new video game. We could have benefited significantly from having Rhett Rasmussen as one of our caddies between the lines. Seriously, we could have used him. At Riverside Country Club, Lauren Frankham takes on a golf challenge, as do we next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation friends, welcome back on a Tuesday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio. 
National Simulcast on BYU TV. We're on demand anytime, anywhere. Just had a fantastic conversation with Rhett Rasmussen, played in the U.S. Open. What was it like to watch Tiger Woods go across his path with his gallery and then have to tee it up with a ton of people watching? <laughs> Download the podcast. Well. It didn't go well. <laughs> Here are today's top BYUSN stories. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. BYU football coach Kalani Satake was asked about the current scheduling philosophy for BYU football as an independent. Says he likes the upcoming football schedules as well as playing Utah, the final game of the season, because you can leave everything out there. This happened, this conversation rather happened at a charity golf match with Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. Speaking of football schedules, FBSchedules.com identifies BYU as one of the seven, seven, Toughest starts to a college football season. Cougars, one of only three programs in FBS to start with three straight Power 5 opponents. One of only two to have two of the three on the road. <laughs> uh, more fodder for your conversation, Jeremy. Right I think there. it's tough regardless of anyone adding to it. I can stand alone on this hill just fine. Brandon Davies with BC Zalgiris won the Lithuanian Basketball League Championship. Davies led the team with 29 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 steals. His team tweeted that it was the best individual performance in the finals ever for that team. Overall, he averaged 21 points a game, six rebounds in the five-game championship series. Congratulations to Brandon. I believe it's the Zydrunas Ilgauskas MVP award. And 18 members of the BYU Gymnastics, that's not true, were recognized by the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference with academic honors. Award recipients finished the year with a grade point average of 3.2 or better. Jerem, did you know? Mitch Matthews is elite. <laughs> hey, if you want to get him out of the studio, all you got to do is say that sentence. Last month, BYU Women's Golf and Rose Huang specifically finished in the top 25 of the NCAA Division I Women's Golf Championships. Rose was on point. So now it's time to get to know the player behind the clubs and go between the lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Well, this is awkward. She was born in China, raised in Hawaii. Rose Wong has a unique niceness that puts her competitors at ease. But don't be fooled by that sweet demeanor, because the girl knows how to compete. This is Meet the Pro. (laughs) How did you get started in golf? My parents had a coworker who knew of a junior golf program that was made by Coach Casey Nakama, who used to be Michelle Wee's coach right before she became like super famous. So they signed me up thinking, oh, it should be good for her to try something new like this. All right, we only get to play with two clubs the entire hole. Oh boy. <laughs> and we're gonna draw out of this hat to see which clubs those are gonna be. All right, Rose, no looking. Okay. Go ahead and open it up. Okay, it says nine iron. Seven iron. Kay. Okay. I no, can work with that's these. just messed up. <laughs> Alright, here we go. For my first one, I get a driver. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I will take a driver <laughs> and raise you a three iron. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen, but let's <laughs> let's do this. Yikes. <laughs> Where did that, that go? Short. I need to see it. <laughs> it's shorter than green, but it's not in the bunker. 
shoot. in the top 25 at the NCAA championship. What kind of accomplishment was that for you? I had to birdie my last hole at regionals to get into a playoff to fight for a spot at nationals. So that was just like, it wasn't even real for me for a while. <laughs> what was your feeling after you finished? I felt like my game was solid. There were spots in my game where I felt like I could have done better, but I feel like I handled the pressure well. You go ahead and finish, Rose. Okay. Well, guys. I'll just use a different ball. I think this is close to where I... Sure. Nice. So what do you like to do when you're not golfing? I like cooking, I like learning how to figure skate, and um, I like painting. I actually like driving, just like driving and sightseeing. For this second round, we're gonna bring in a little backup. I brought some backup with me. Come on, guys. Definitely not the ringer. Jeremy Spencer. <laughs> what you got? Five iron. You're getting oh, lucky. Club. And pitching wedge. Okay, right. these are good. Okay, Jerome. <laughs> Butter. Oh, nice. <laughs> I get something else to the seven iron. I've got a six iron. Okay. Okay. Not That's bad. Good. All, right. All right, and a four iron. Whew. Ooh, that's pretty. Oh, sort of pushed it. <laughs> okay. Into some CEO's backyard. <laughs> Get in the hole. Ooh. Dropping over here. I'm hoping they will let me go without the penalty. Spencer won't. Rose will. She's super nice. Oh, no. Bunker. You like going to the beach? So I need to navigate these imposing trees. It's over there somewhere. That's too much for that pig. So what would you say is your money shot? I'm really good at putting compared to the rest of my game. So like I tend to be good at 10 footers, nine footers. Like those are my good birdie chances. Bad. Hey, not too bad. Nice chip. <laughs> Could have been worse. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> I chipped that putt. <laughs> sit, 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 oh. sit. If you have to give us all one piece of advice since you're the pro here, what would it be? Just be aggressive because 
Golf is sometimes really intimidating. Like the shots could seem really hard, but if you just trust it, stay down and go at it, it's actually gonna turn out well. Wow, that's great advice. advice. That's great advice. I thought you were gonna say never play golf again. <laughs> I don't know how accurate those scores actually were, but Rose uh, is one of the accurate. nicest. I'm back. Not <laughs> accurate. Jeremy's back, everybody. I probably got an eight. Yeah. Rose is one of the nicest human beings ever. I've, I've never felt so, so good and so bad about myself in what? the same moment. What was it? I think it was one shot you were hoping would be better. She goes, well, it's closer to the hole. I'm like, she's yeah, so she's, right. She is so nice. Very sweet. My gosh. So anyway, if you want to watch the segment again, go to our YouTube page, BOU TV Sports, and follow us on Twitter at BOU underscore BTL. Next week on Between the Lines, we're doing best of BYU football media day Between the Lines web chats. So make sure you watch those on Friday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time with Trevor Maddich and Kalani Satake kicking off the morning. Very, very nice lineup to start. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, guys. Okay, Great coming golfers. Up, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Rose was. Spencer is. Jeremy goes out of eye. bounds and hits on the lip of a bunker <laughs> and gets the a voice six. of the nation. Wow. Who did I pay to get yeah, a Yeah, who did you pay to get a St. Carlson is his name. Good grief. Up next, E3 Championship. Video games are legit. Jessica Runyon is going to tell us why. How do, you, how do you win an E3 championship? He's got the trophy, dude. Look at that. Exactly. This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is brought nice. to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Think Nissan. Think Tim Daly Southtown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, BYU Sports Nation will have a two-hour dish of the program from 12 to 2 Eastern time. Players and coaches will join us on BYU Football Media Day. It's coming up this Friday, June 22nd. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUSN rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Question of the day, what is your earth-shaking celebratory moment as a BYU fan? Jerem, I've got a new one for you. Mm. After you somehow miraculously pulled off that six during the Between the Lines segment. Crazy, right? That should probably be an earth-shaking celebratory moment for you. Six, wild. Steven Shirley on Facebook. (laughs) I'm old. The miracle passed Jim McMahon in the Miracle Bowl, 46-45 over SMU. The greatest play in BYU sports history. So good. If I had a superpower, I would time travel and I would go revisit all of the epic BYU wins through the 70s and 80s. This would be after some historical events for me. Yeah, perhaps. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and go to Instagram. Anything. I'm going to 96 Convo. More of your responses later in the show. <laughs> Joining us now, producer of Beatboxers and E3 Collegiate Champion Jessica Runyon. Jessica, welcome to Studio Hi, B. Thank you. You brought a trophy with I you. I did bring a trophy, our shiny trophy that we worked so hard to get. <laughs> okay. Let's start with this. For those that have no idea, what is E3? What does it stand for? And, and what type of competition are we talking about? Yeah, so E3 actually stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo. So it's E-cubed. Mm-hmm. And it's basically where all the major gaming companies like Nintendo, Bethesda, Ubisoft, um, they release kind of what their plans are for the next year, year and a half. Um, and so as a finalist in the E3 college competition, we got to take our game beatboxers to the show floor, and we're literally like steps away from Nintendo and Sony, and them showing their big games that they spent years making, and ours uh, next to them. And it was really kind of cool to kind of see 
our work kind of pay off in like a big way. And that's awesome. You're, you were on a team and you were a finalist for a competition because you made a game. So yes. tell us about beatboxers. What is it? And how'd you win? So yeah, so Beatboxers is a rhythm fighting game. So if you took Guitar Hero and a game like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter and smashed them together, this is kind of what you would get. Brilliant. Yeah. I like it. And we're seeing some video of it on the BYU TV site. Yeah. Describe to us what it's like to play this game and how you guys came up with this idea. So yeah, actually, it was our lead designer, Mike. It was his initial idea of combining these two game genres together and so what you end up doing is you pick a musical genre so we have maestra who's our classical genre designed after like a violin and Mm -hmm. a conductor Um, and then you have riff which is our rock and roll you know the classic (laughs) battle of classical music and rock and roll taking it out and so you kind of fight against each other to the beat of the music which you can kind of see down at the bottom Mm. those little dots coming in help you kind of stay on beat um, and the closer you are to the beat allows you to outplay your opponent and take the victory and ultimately steal the spotlight and win over our gorgeous crowd in the background. <laughs> this is awesome. Very cool. Like, what, what did it take to create a video game? Oh, a lot of time, a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah, how long? How long is this in development? So the game is in total development for about a year. We usually spend the summer doing a lot of prototyping and concepting and kind of figuring out what we can do and what we can't do, what breaks the Unreal Engine, what doesn't break it. And then all through fall and winter semester, we just try to iron out all the details and make our art look super good, which our art team was absolutely amazing. It looks legit. Yeah, yeah. totally. What kind of feedback did you get from some of these major gaming companies at the entertainment, sorry, uh, electronic, electronic, electronic entertainment, entertainment expo? expo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> EA Sports, it's in the game. What, yeah, what kind of feedback did you get from these major companies? A lot of people were really surprised that it was actually a college game. Hmm. They were super shocked that it looked as polished as it was. We actually had somebody who worked on another fighting game called Killer Instincts, which we kind of actually use for reference, um, who was an artist on that game, talked about how great our game looked and how polished it looked and how nice it felt, which was a huge thing for us because we looked at his game for our game and then have him come around and be like, this looks amazing and these are ways you can fix it. But a lot of people were just shocked that college students made it. And even in a year, that was also super surprising to them. Give us an idea of uh, kind of this scene um, within BYU and the college scene of of esports and gaming and and the growth there. Because we're hearing about arenas being built and there's TV rights for major networks to watch and broadcast esports. Yeah, I think, I mean, esports is, if you kind of watch esports, you already know that it's here. And I think for a lot of people, it's still trying to figure out, well, is it's still a sport. And to me, it's almost the exact same as watching football on TV. Right, you're watching the competition. You're watching the competition. Right. And I think what's really interesting about esports is most of it takes place, or at least where I watch a lot of it, is on Twitch. So you're able to kind of like chat with other people that are um, watching the game. They even have like casters that tell you the play-by-play and kind of explain what's going on Mm. they have interviews with the players you can like follow their youtube channels and see them practicing and their own personal stories so it's very similar to what i kind of saw my dad enjoying growing up watching football except i never got football and this is something that i understand and play and so it's kind of nice to kind of see how i now understand why he liked watching football and i just watch people play video games (laughs) (laughs) is is twitch a tv channel or is that a a so it's 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 a website yeah twitch.tv gotcha 
Yeah, and that's where a lot of it is. Jessica Runyon, producer of Beatboxers, E3 Collegiate Champion in Los Angeles, with us in Studio B. What other teams did you beat? What what college teams put together good games, and, and who did you best? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't remember all the college. I know there are five of us that were there. Um, I think one of the most interesting ones is we had a school to the left of us on the floor from Michigan that they actually worked on their game for four years. And then it was cool to kind of see their game was completely different than ours. It was similar to kind of like, it was like an open world, like platformer, similar to like Mario Odyssey, kind of, which is the most recent game that kind of came out where it's like you explore this world and you jump on it. And then you had ours next to it, which visually looked different, played completely different. And it was kind of just interesting to see all these different schools come with completely different games kind of competing against each other. We just want to know which schools you beat so that we can brag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Michigan, <laughs> USC, Notre Dame. Yeah. I um, mean, um, the state of Utah did not make it to Ethereum. Okay, there you we go. We did. There you so, go. Uh, yeah. We need that. Uh, we need that. Um, is this something you did for fun? Is this for a class? Is this something you want to do uh, on the side, a main job? What, what is this? Yeah, I think it is a class that you can take here, but most of the students, they just do it for fun. It's very like student driven um it was definitely us that kind of made it work and finished it it was a lot of weekends a lot of nights i think the night before we left for e3 me and a couple other students were in the lab till like almost one in the morning trying to finish this stuff up and for me this is something i would love to do we got to visit riot games which makes league of legends which is a huge esport right now um and we got to go visit them and this is something that's going to look great on all of our resumes because not only did we make a game but it got noticed by a lot of people and it won a competition which is a big deal so can you sell it so well, what's the next step? So the next step is, well, actually, in about a month, there's still a couple weird bugs that are happening in the game that we have to fix first. But in about a month, it'll be available on Steam for free. So anyone can download and cool. play it. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and the hopes of is that it garners traction and then perhaps you can add advertising to that? Or how does that work? Well, it's kind of a little complicated right now with some of the programs that we're using. We don't have, like, a commercial license of that. Okay. So we can't necessarily Your sell students, it. you made it. Yeah. You won a trophy. It's and, awesome. and I think... Yeah. A lot of this is a good project for all of us, but a lot of us are moving on to other things. We had one of our students who now works at Bungie who makes Destiny. That is, so he's often working in that's the a huge game industry. Game. We have yep. another student that's working at Blizzard who helped with the effects for our game. So a lot of us are kind of moving on to bigger and better things. I know Blizzard from Warcraft. Back there you go. The yep. I, I didn't play Warcraft a ton, but I always have Blizzard. Well, you had a victory royale. Yes. Yes, we did. As <laughs> there you go. Very nice. Very cool. We don't know much about uh, esports, so this is uh, you know giving us a little uh, hint into that. Congratulations, Thank very you. cool. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, coming up, someone else agrees with me on the toughness of the schedule. What? Somebody agrees with you? I think I might know. Are who you it shocked is. by? I think I might know who it is. Single entity or person. Let's see. Plus, our elite voice of the nation, remembering your earth-shaking celebratory moments as a BYU fan. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guest, Rhett Rasmussen, 19 years old, just competed in the U.S. Open of Golf in New York, and Jessica Runyon, Runyon. E3 Championship. Very cool. I know esports is growing, and it's a big thing. It's cool to have her on to kind of tell us what's going on, not only at BYU, but kind of in the industry, which is super cool. Sorry, Dennis Pitta. We almost had time for you. Yeah. But again, just not enough. Rats. If you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. FBSchedules.com identifies BYU as one of the seven. Did it again. Seven. Seven. Seven Curry. Seven Curry. Seven, 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 seven <laughs> toughest starts of the college football season. 
Cougars are one of three programs to start with three straight Power 5 opponents and one of two to start with two of those three on the road. Cougars overseas. Brandon Davies, as a member of BC Zalgiris, won the Lithuanian Basketball League Championship. Davies led the team with 29 points, eight rebounds, and three steals. His team tweeted that it was, quote, the best individual performance in the finals ever for that team, end quote. Gymnastics. 18 members of the team were recognized by the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference with academic honors. The recipients finished the year with a grade point average of 3.2 or better. 18. We're well good. done. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter. Dexter, help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. How about Jessica Runyon and the team at BYU that won an E3 trophy. Beatboxers. Beatboxers, which is a combination of Mortal Kombat and Guitar Hero. That's cool. You use the rhythm. You got to hit the rhythm in time. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. What is the next line? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. It's bobsled time. I don't know the From third. From Cool one. Runnings. What is it? Use hashtag BYUS. <laughs> what is your earth shaking celebratory moment as a BYU fan? Back to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Cool Runnings. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan.funky on Instagram. September 5th, 2015, Tanner Mangum to Mitch Matthews. Hashtag Mitch Matthews is elite. Thank you, Ethan. That was an elite play for sure. At TwinGuy33 on Twitter. BYU over Boise State in 2015 as well was unreal hysteria. That stadium was loud for several minutes. That was earth shattering. The elite voice of the day from at Twiggy or Stone. It was the Nebraska catch. I happened to be with my family when it happened. Everyone in the room started jumping up and down. We scared one of the babies. They started crying. Oh, yeah. A scared baby is a, a sign of a, either great or terrible moment. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Our audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Paul Linford. We're back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Mitch Matthews is elite.